Hello, it's a wonderful Friday afternoon. This is Speaking For Him. I'm Dan Van Zalen, here with your host, Andrew Gominson. Dan, it's great to be with you, and I am super excited about today's show because I have a, a, a very good friend of mine, Linnell Pierce, on the show with us, and I'll introduce her in a few minutes, but just by way of introduction... Um, I first met Linnell when, uh, we, when I, when I used to live in Wyoming, Michigan, we used to have a local event called Wyoming Fest and they would have concerts as part of that. And I loved Wyoming Fest because I lived right down the street from Lamar Park where it took place. So I could literally drive my wheelchair down to the Wyoming Fest and she was one of the singers that would come. Every year, I think there was at least two or three years when I came in and uh, heard her in concert. And uh, I even got a chance to sing with her a couple times. It was a really precious thing to me. And so it was a great blessing to me when we reconnected over Facebook just a few weeks ago. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to have her come and share her story with us. Um, But before we do that, Dan, could you share a quote of the day? Of course. Jesus can't be explained. He must be experienced. Linnell Pierce. And, and of course, that's from our guest today. And so I noticed that uh, quote on your website, and I thought that it was very um, key, to, key to who you are. Even back then, I felt like that was the message you were trying to share. And so I'm very grateful to have you here today, Linnell. Thanks for coming. You are so welcome. It was a... Uh... It was such a um, – I was excited when I heard from you. Well, um, one thing I want to talk a little bit about as we get started is uh, I know that uh, Linnell got her start kind of in singing on Children's Bible Hour. Um, so could you first tell us a little bit about your growing up years and then kind of segue into what it was like to be on Children's Bible Hour? I sure can, and that does take me back a long ways. But I could I can remember I was – uh, my my parents had just moved to Wyoming Park, and and in this house there was an old clunker piano that the people didn't take because it was too hard to get up the stairs. In fact, it didn't even have any ivories on the on the um, keys. But for me, it was it was um, a beginning, and I would go down the stairs and I would just plunk away on that old piano, and mm-hmm. and I played by ear. So um, it was a gift that the Lord gave me already when I was a little girl, and and one day and. I don't believe in coincidence, and I don't believe that anybody can be lucky. I think that God has a plan. And as it were, that the Lord would have this great aunt of mine come at just that particular time when I was downstairs just a-wailing away on that piano and just singing. I was only about seven, and uh, she happened to walk in the door and said to my mom, Who is that? And my mom said, Well, that's Linnell. And she said, She belongs on Children's Bible Hour. And uh, she was very well aware of the program because she had two children that had been on there and knew what they kind of looked for. So when I turned eight, my mom um, had me audition, and they took me right on. And the rest is history because then I stayed on Children's Bible Hour until I was 18 years old. And I usually don't stay on that long, but for some reason they just kept me there. And I'm really grateful because it was a good place 
for me to be during those teenage years, even though I didn't think that it was a good place for me. As I look <laughs> back, it was definitely a good place and birth at the time. And Uncle Charlie, they kind of kept a rain on me. In fact, Aunt Bertha used to say, you've got the personality the world wants, but I'm not going to let it have you. Well, <laughs> so I think you get the point there, right? Yeah. That, that's an interesting That's an interesting little tidbit there. Um, I know Uncle Charlie was involved from a very young age from the time he was You're right. about nine. And we're talking, uh, in his case, of over six decades of ministry that he you know, really – poured into Children's Bible Hour and CBH Ministries. So, and I had the privilege of interviewing him a few years back and and what a treasure trove of wisdom he is and um I'm so grateful that he's still with us and God is still using him even in his in his twilight years. So, very much a blessing in my life as Uncle Charlie. That's for sure. Um, he is. Many many people can say that about him. Absolutely, he's he, invested so many in so into so many children's lives. He was definitely uh, um, a favorite uncle for many across uh, the United States and the world. Correct, uh, because right. the uh, the reach of Children's Bible Hour is very wide, or was very wide, and so that is such a blessing. Um, all right, well, can you tell me um a little bit about how you transitioned from Children's Bible Hour into your professional singing career? Yes. And, and like I said, Ambertha had a real, real rain on me because, you know, I was adventuresome. I, I was, um, I think the world could have gotten a hold of me. In fact, I know when I was taking voice lessons, I, you couldn't take voice lessons when you were on children's Bible art because they wanted to keep that childlike tone. And so as soon as I got off the program, I, I found a voice teacher that was willing to teach me into the area of gospel that I wanted to stay in. And he was a wonderful man. His name was Gordon Van Rye. Just, just loved him so much. And he, he, um, he heard my heart. In fact, um, one time he said to me, I have 80 students and 79 sing better than you. But, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But he said, but you're the one I want to sing at my wife's funeral. So oh. when his wife passed away, he had 79 students that probably could have done a better job than me. But he knew that I was the one that sang from the depths of my heart because that's, that's you know, I started singing about Jesus when I was a little girl and I never transitioned. Now, there was a time when I was taking voice lessons, though, that that I was offered, and, and this is, you're going to laugh about this, but I really, truly was offered quite a singing position in Las Vegas. I don't know how somebody got a hold of who I was or, or how I sounded, but they said that I would definitely be, well, I could make quite a career and make quite a lot of money and maybe make quite a name for myself and, and all that kind of thing. And it was, uh, and there again, the, if, if Ann Bertha hadn't instilled in me what she had instilled in those 10 years, I might be, well, I wouldn't be here. I might be in a whole nother place with a different story that I wonder really wanted to have because the story that I have is the one I want. And, and so I never even had to consider because she had developed in me such a fundamental, um, purpose in that, that the Lord created me with this voice, not for the world, but for Him. And, and, um, so by this time, by the time I got that offer, it wasn't even a consideration. And 
So how the Lord had his hand on me through people at the right place at the right time, I testify to that with my whole heart. Oh, absolutely. So uh, can you tell me uh, at what point um, did you make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ and, and did following God with your whole heart become real to you? You know, that is, I believe salvation happens in an instant. And I can remember I was 10 years old. I was in Eighth Reformed Church. That was my home church. Children's Bible Hour was doing the service on this Sunday evening. I remember Aunt Bertha got up to do her part, her, her speaking part. She always firmly talked about that salvation is found in none other. And even though I was a, a good church kid, um, never caused my folks any trouble really. And, and went to church and Sunday school and youth group and, you know, sang on children's Bible and all that. I knew, I knew that I needed, um, I needed a savior. And, and I think that is a testimony that everybody's got to get to that you're one of the all, all have sinned. And I know that's hard for people who've been growing up in the church and Sunday school and all that, but everyone has to come to the cross sometime. And I remember when I was 10, uh, that Sunday night that, when she was talking, all of a sudden she was talking to me, and I knew. And that night, um, I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. So that started my walk. My salvation was an instant on that Sunday evening when I was 10. But then Jesus became near and dear to me as I grew older, of course. But when it really took an absolute turn for me is when I understood that God's word is critical and fundamental in knowing who Jesus is. And uh, because that's his word, uh, the John 1, 1 says, and the word was with God and the word was God. And he is, he is the word. And when I started studying God's word and now I teach it now, um, it's just my life, um, I really believe that if to answer your question, when did Jesus become real to me? When, when did this take hold and take root is when I really started getting into his word. There's the answer. That really is true. You know, um, if, if you're not in the word of God, you can't grow. The word of God is food. Um, the prophet said, or the psalmist said, I, uh, I desire your word more than my necessary food. Mm-hmm. And Jesus gave us that example when his disciples came and brought him meat. He said, um, I have meat that you know not of. And uh, so it's definitely true that it is important to be grounded in the word of God. And the times when I take that time to spend time in the word of God, I'm stronger than when I don't. And especially as someone who ministers the Word of God and who preaches the Word of God, I, I realize in my own life that I have to be, I have to feed on the Word of God mm-hmm. in order to be, be equipped to feed others. So that is uh, a passion of mine. And every new year I try to recommit to that because sometimes you get into a rut where you slow down, where you don't aren't as faithful at it as you should be. But God is always there to uh, pull you back to himself if you are willing to be led. And so that's so important. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about your, your family now? Well, um, my family now is, um, when I was 20 and, um, I, I met my husband, Tom, and, and we, we got married in 1972 already. And, 
Um, he has been, he has been a, my faithful team member and we have done this work together. Uh, I think when he married me though, he knew I was a singer, but he didn't know all what it was going to entail. I think that was a big <laughs> surprise to him. But, but I think as, um, the Lord, <clears throat> changed his heart and as he showed Tom that that this was a plan that he had he had called us both to um we went into full-time ministry and um that too we never looked back because it was it it's just it was just God's hand there wasn't any question and he he was uh, oh how should I say it I, he dated every girl in Grand Rapids I think but but then he <laughs> When he met me, we, we met each other at Youth for Christ and, uh, our beginning. It, it's just, uh, I look back now 47 years, you know, almost 50 years ago now. And I think only the Lord could have done that. Put two extremely different. I mean, he was, you know, he was, you know, all city football player at Central High School. And, you know, I'm this children's Bible hour girl practically. You know, I mean, I'm out of there now, but that's what I was still referred to. And then, and, how the Lord has put us together. And and we did make such a great team. We've had our ups, we've had our downs, but I'm telling you, that's how the Lord made us into what we are today for sure. And we have two sons. We have two sons. Uh, they're 44 and 41. And uh, they're both pastors. They're both pastors in Holland, one at Faith Christian Reform and one at Niekirk Christian Reform. So um, it's quite a blessing for me to watch my two boys kind of take over in fact, when we first started in ministry and our boys were just babies, um, I was warned, better be careful because you'll be caring for everybody else's children and yours will miss and you will, they will lose. And I just couldn't believe that that would happen when the Lord calls a family. But I mean, I was mindful of it and I always made sure that our boys were with us or with my mom and dad or something like that. And, and then as I look back now, I, I can see how, how they learned so much of who they, and who they are today. It was all part of the formation when they saw us in ministry. And both, both of our, our sons are so good right now in their church because they can deal with older people, teenagers, children. And it's because that's what they saw for all their years growing up. They saw how ministry is to every age. And, and my, and our singing went to every age, children, special needs, um, the elderly, prisons, we did it all. And our boys watched that. And so now they're pastors and now we have seven grandchildren. So my life is full. And that, that's awesome. Dan, you've been sitting here listening for a while. Do you have any questions? No, it's. Quite, it's more interesting to listen than it is to speak up. <laughs> well, it, it, it's interesting that that you say that because I've told Dan many times that the mark of a good podcast episode in my mind is when the guest can take over the show in a good way and tell us a great story that will encourage others. And I thank you for being here and, and sharing with us. And now um, I'm coming to a question because when I first reconnected with Linnell, one of the things I told her was – uh, that I was uh, looking forward to singing with her again. And she said that she's not able to sing as she used to because she had a medical issue, which makes that difficult. So could you talk a little bit about that journey and how God led you through it? Uh, I know. I, I, I'm so known. I, I sang for 52 years. And so that was that was all I did. That's what people knew me for. And and uh, it was about five, six years ago uh, when I was singing. I could 
feel that something wasn't quite right. And you know your voice so well, you know, when you've done it for so long. And and so I went to find out if there was something, if it was just oh, they were wearing out. Could UCB, after so much hard singing and for so many years, I thought maybe it was just wearing out. And and uh, was it was discovered that I... Um, my vocal cords were still very strong. However, um, I had developed a neurological problem in the two muscles that make the vocal cords work. And it's got a long name. It's called spasmodic dysphonia. And it means that the muscles that cause your cords to, to work, um, they don't work well. They, they vibrate. It's kind of like, a, it's similar to Parkinson's. And as you would see someone with Parkinson's have a shaking in their hands or a tremor, um, I don't have that, but the same thing happens to these two little muscles in my throat. And when they tremor like that, they, the, the vocal cords don't work. And so I found, um, it was so wonderful. And here I, again, and I don't need all those details. I'm sure you don't, but, um, again, the hand of God had me to the right, doctor in Chicago, and he knew within 30 seconds what I had. And he said to me, he said, uh, um, I can help you. There, There's no cure because it's a neurological problem. Um, I have a I have a procedure that I can give you, and you can have it every three months, and it will, it will keep you. And then he said, either talking or singing. What do you want to do, talk or sing? And that was when I realized that my singing and talking are on two different mechanisms. And um, I said, well, of course I want to talk. And so he gave me my first treatment there in Chicago. And the treatment took probably less than 30 seconds. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you, but your 52-year singing career is now over. It was that quick. I didn't even have a chance to go home and sing. I bowed on my knees one more time or something. I, it was over. And, and, um, you know, Andrew, I got to tell you, because I respect you so much and the way you love the Lord and you live your life for the Lord. And, and I'm a firm believer that everybody has something and something that the Lord uses to keep us humble before him, to keep us clinging to him. And I didn't realize how much I depended or thought I needed my voice to be, to be who I was. I thought my identity had to be my singing voice. And I think the Lord had to show me, no, Linnell, it's not your singing voice. It's your heart. It's not having all the mechanisms of your body working perfectly. It's your heart and what's coming out of your heart. And so my singing voice was done and how the Lord, and I knew I had a choice. I had a choice to take this, and 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 it's not a complicated choice. The Lord isn't complicated. He gives you one of two choices. You're going to go down in self pity, and 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 feel sorry for yourself, and and blow everything that He can possibly do through you, despite. Or you can say, "Okay, Lord, I'm available. I'm still available to Your service, and however You want to use me." And that was, that was the choice I knew I had to make. And, and in all honesty, I've never shed a tear from the, from that day to even though singing was my life and in 30 seconds it was over. Um, and I couldn't have my farewell year like many singers do. It was done. And I never have shed a tear because with all my heart, 
I either had to believe that God was able to still use me or that he really didn't do what he promised. And I knew that wasn't true. And so I clung to the fact that he had something else for me. And boy, have I seen that to be true. Well, that's encouraging. I know for me, it was a little bit more of a struggle than that. Uh, I came to know the Lord when I was about five, but for the first nine years after my salvation, I said, Lord, I know about where my eternal destiny lies, but my temporary destination kind of stinks. And if you, and I know, and I know that. My parents tell me that you don't make any mistakes, but you must have made at least one because I'm here in this wheelchair. And then when I was 13, I hit rock bottom when my baby brother passed away. And I said, Lord, I don't even want to live anymore. But through that, through that year that followed, he held tight to me even when I didn't want anything to do with him. And he never let go. And when I came out of that depression, he finally broke through and said, it's not your physical uh, disability that needs to change in order for me to use you. It's your heart. Exactly. And as soon as I was able to make that heart change mm-hmm. or able to let him make the heart mm-hmm. change, excuse me, because he's the one that makes the change, right. then he allowed doors to open that I had never even imagined at the time. And from the time I was seven years old, I've, you know, I was the kid that made the, the, the tapes where I was a DJ, I was this, this, you know, did fake radio shows, right, right, <laughs> right down to, right down to the fake, uh, giveaways. And for a while I felt like God was leading me away from that. And then he opened this door for this podcast and it, I couldn't be more blessed to be able to do it because I get to write the shows and, and, uh, control the content and above all glorify God through the, the, the means of, podcasting. So I'm I'm really encouraged by your story and I can attest to that too that uh, we have two choices to become better or bitter and at, you know at the juncture of being 14 years old I realized that bitter wasn't working. That's right. <laughs> so I had to try so for better and uh-huh. God has really blessed since then. So I appreciate uh, your openness in sharing that story. So um, now can you tell us a little bit more about your current ministry? That's right. And I love it so much. I thought I loved singing and I, and I did. And I really feel that the Lord said after 52 years, I, I think he said, thank you. That good job. Um, now I've got something else for you because I think he knew that I would try singing all weekend and trying to teach all week because I teach Bible study all week. And, and, um, you know, once you get past a certain age, you don't ha- quite have the stamina as you used to. And in all reality, I had to concentrate, put all my eggs in one basket. And so um, he just had to absolutely take it away so that I wouldn't be tempted to do what I was just so naturally used to doing. So now I I teach um, four to five, depending. Um, I do four regularly um, Bible studies and I, I am a verse by verse type of teacher. Never did I think that that would be my gift. My gift, I, I think our spiritual gifts do change as, as our lives change and as the Lord calls us to different places and purposes. And, and He always promises to give us the gift necessary to do the, the calling. And so I, I am now teaching God's word verse by verse. 
one book at a time. I mean, when I say book, I mean one book of the Bible at a time. And I write the study so that the so that the um, people in the class can do it during the week, and then we go through it verse by verse when we get together. And and I have to say, I'm you know, I only say this not not to boast by any means, but the classes are growing so, and I have close to between five and six hundred people a week in when you total up the classes and and there's such a hunger now to really know the Bible and not to just be talked to but to be taught through God's word and and so I'm watching these classes just go and now I look back and I'm thinking the Lord knew exactly what he was doing and um even though sometimes we don't understand or maybe even like his changes in our life but we have to learn to trust that his will is perfect his timing is perfect he knows exactly how he wants to use us and we are here for him and not for ourselves well you know i i was homeschooled my entire life the only time i had ever gone to school in a school building was for uh, i think a little bit of preschool kindergarten and first grade and after that, I was homeschooled my entire life. So if you were to ask me, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, would I be working in a school? Uh, today, I would have said you were nuts because, <laughs> you know, why, why would a homeschool guy uh, who was, you know, raised homeschooled and loved homeschooling, why would he end up working in a school? But that's exactly where I'm working. So I, again, I, I, I resonate with what you're saying because God knows what he's doing and I never would have thought that I would be teaching high schoolers but I love my job it's the best job that I've ever had um, apart from preaching the word of God and uh, God knew what he was doing even though I wouldn't have chosen it um, you know many years ago but he he had a plan and so we can rest knowing that his plan is the best and He's going to do things uh, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. You are so right. So, all right. Uh, well, what would you say is your favorite um, uh, aspect of doing these Bible studies? What what uh, what gets you the most excited about that? Well, I'll just give you an example of what I do. I mean, like right now we are in the book of Matthew. And so when we started in September, we started with Matthew 1, and then we go through Matthew 2. I think what I just so find fascinating, exciting, um, is when you watch a story unfold and how when, like we did Matthew 14 today, and there's no way I could have really understood chapter 14 Without having to do one, two, three, four, five, and that how God's word has such a flow, how how His Holy Spirit takes words on a page and makes them come alive, so that you realize, like, okay, another example is is uh, the feeding of the five thousand, Peter walking on the water, very very familiar stories that we've all heard many many times, but every time if you are willing to open up your heart and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you, there will be a personal there will be a personal aspect of that story that will relate to you and what you're going through that will meet you right where you're at. I'll tell you, I can jump off a chair so excited when I watch the Lord take take um one chapter in particular and reveal it in such a personal way to hundreds of people sitting out there like they were the only one in the room and he's talking to. That's what God's Word does. You know, I was really encouraged by the fact that you talked about 
that you uh, do verse by verse Bible study because that's the way I like to preach. Um, I, I I just uh, recently finished preaching through the book of Luke for a church called Holland Gospel Chapel where I preach every month and now we're in the book of Acts because I've always wanted to preach them back to back because they're both written by Dr. Luke. And one of the things I emphasize over and over again when I preach is there's a lot of stories or verses that are familiar to us, but I feel like a lot of times familiarity breeds apathy. So by going verse by verse, it forces us to take a look at every single aspect and nuance and hopefully gain a greater appreciation for um, even the familiar stories. Like you said, there's always something for each of us in every familiar story, even though sometimes it just seems like something we've heard over and over again ad nauseum. There's always a reason. You know, I often think about it this way. When God says something is really important, when he repeats himself, it's even more important. <laughs> That's good, yes. So I think um, that is so encouraging. Um, and I have a final question for you. Do you have a favorite Bible verse um, that kind of is is a theme verse for you in your Christian walk? You know, you ask somebody who loves God's Word their favorite one, that it's just almost impossible. But I think there's one verse that um, is very familiar, of course, for God so loved the world, and I love putting my name in there. For God so loved Linnell that he gave his son for her, that if she just believes, she will not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, that, I love that. But I also love when Paul, and this is what I hold on to, because life doesn't make sense sometimes. God's plan is mysterious. Um, his will isn't always my will. And, and to be able to trust that, I hang on to a verse where Paul continuously reminds me that I can know. And that's the way he says it, for I know. And whenever you see the word know, that means there's no room for doubt. That means I can know without doubting that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. And I know I love him. So I can look at my life, even though it's going in a direction sometime that that I never expected or planned or maybe even like right now. But I have learned and I know now that he is working for the good. And it might not look good in my definition of good right now, but his definition of good is that he's going to turn me into the likeness of his son because that's what his purpose is. So as I finish this verse, that's for I know that that God can turn all things out for my good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And that's Romans 8.28. And the 29th verse tells me what God's purpose for me is, and that is to turn me into the likeness of Jesus. So he's got to work on me, and it's going to be good times and tough times. He's got to mold me into a person that will radiate and reflect his son in a world that needs him. So that those those verses really really go to the core of who I am, and that is so important to remember too. Because every once in a while, I'll run into someone who will say, "God doesn't want you to suffer," <laughs> and, and, I just, and I just chuckle uh, at that. Yeah, uh, sadly chuckle because God's very own perfect Son suffered. So that we could have salvation. Without his suffering, we would not have salvation. So if God's very son was called to suffer, what makes us think that he doesn't call us to suffering? Um, that, that 
Paul says that that this is salvation that I may know him and you know the power of his sufferings you know that's the reality that Paul lived in he had a thorn in the flesh he asked God to take it away three times and God said no but then he said these great words my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness he didn't say I'm taking away your weakness to show my strength necessarily he said my strength is made perfect in your weakness and Paul said most gladly therefore will I glory in my infirmities he didn't say I'm glorying because God's taking away my infirmities he said I'm glorying in in my infirmities because then the power of God will be able to rest on me. True, true, and so, true. <laughs> so I really think that that is so important and I thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been a real treat to uh, to have you in the studio and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and seeing what God does in both of our lives moving forward. Absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. Well, that's the show for this week. I hope that you have enjoyed it and I hope that you'll share it with your family and friends. Please, uh, if if you see this post on Facebook, um, don't forget to click the share button so you can share it on your page. If you want to download it free from my website, you can do that. If you want to contact us with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show, please do that. Um, and so for now, I will say have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 